Welcome in, everybody, to game day. It's Sunday, September 10th. It is week one, and we have finally made it, Brad. I mentioned the other day in the OBR Slack channel that this has just felt like the longest offseason ever. Not the worst. Obviously, I no. think last offseason was the worst in terms of a lot of things that we were you know, dealing with, projecting, all of that. But it was just a really long offseason, largely because of the way the Brown season ended, doing some things we think that we really like between free agency and the draft, and then just listening to the media nationally, with the people who you see occupy your TV often, dump on the Browns and, and largely because of the way Deshaun Watson played at the end of the year. And there's just no, there's no arguing that because <laughs> how are you going to argue it? So it just felt like a really long off season, longer than usual, but we're here, man. And that deserves some praise that we have finally made it. You guys are here. You have made it. We have made it. What's up, Brad? We're here, buddy. Finally week one Sunday. What's up? I'm freaking psyched, man. I this, you, you said it, man. It has been the longest. Uh, I mean, let's think about it. Free agency for them was stretched out. Everything they did was kind of really stretched out throughout the offseason. Uh, the, the Hall of Fame game camp was stretched way out. I mean, camp seemed like never-ending, right? Uh, and just the talking heads just continue to pound on the same topics over and over and over. It's hard for Browns fan, uh, although quiet off season, which is good for this team, I think, and flying under the radar is a good place for them to be. Uh, all this, uh, even like today, like today seemed like super long. Like I'm, I, I even posted on Twitter, like of the gif of some dude just looking at his watch sitting there. Like that's how I felt today. Like time will not move fast enough uh, to get us there. So. It, it listen, it's long. It's been drawn out. It has felt like we've needed to uh, withstand 12 rounds of fighting here, but we have made it through, especially because you're, you're hosting Cincinnati and, and all of these social media fans and all the, you know, the, even the people who cover the teams are so close to each other all the time. And yeah, it is. Um, it's a lot. It's been a lot, but we're here and it should be fun. It should be fun. Listen, there's not really much on the injury front to talk about. Uh, we don't know. The only one we don't know about is Juan Thornhill, which we will see. It feels like it's going to be a game day decision here. Uh, you might already know by the time you're listening to this podcast. We do not know as we record it the night before. Should be interesting to see if he plays. Obviously, the Browns have two safeties that they trust should he not be able to go, but it is always a little bit nerve-wracking. And then on the Cincy side, they, only ruled, they already ruled out the player that we were curious about, which was Joseph Asai. Everybody else seems to be ready to go. So both yeah. teams are pretty healthy, Brad. Uh, the Thornhill thing stinks, right? Because it's a huge offseason acquisition. And I mentioned on yesterday's show, it feels like anybody who gets hurt in practice, you're almost like this. This can't be serious because practice is like, you know, you see these game injuries and those mount up, right? Those are super serious and yeah. they, those sting in among themselves. But if a guy's just getting hurt in practice, I mean, Travis Kelsey is another example there where guys just hurt in practice. Those those sting a little bit more and puts a damper a little bit on it because Thornhill, um, as we know, is such. I think a vital addition and he'll play a lot of ball games this year. There's no doubt about that, but to not have him in this one, when you're most excited about the season and especially against Cincinnati's core of wide receivers uh, has the potential to be a little bit of a, a bit of a struggle, right? Yeah. You, you just want to see him, you know, he played well in the preseason. He played aggressive. He looked, you know, like he was kind of on it and uh, you want to see him out there. So uh, certainly uh, unfortunate, although I don't think the drop off is huge with McLeod, although and, and but I would have liked them to have that option to run three safeties out there, too. 
yeah, certain looks would have been good to have those three guys out there. But if you're saying Denzel or Juan Thornhill, I probably would have leaned Denzel. Being able to play would be more important. No doubt so about it. You said a little it. bit, a yeah. little bit of give and take there. So let's talk. Uh, you know, we always sit on the big talking points before these things. We'll focus first on coverage. Who's covering the game this year? It's going to be different. It's more important. I mean, last year, every year before that, Brad it would be like, "Well, they're on CBS." There's no doubt yeah. about that. But that will change this year. I still think they're on CBS to open this game, which I'm going to have you answer that in just a second. But it will be a bit more varying between the networks who are not conference affiliated anymore. So we'll be able to give you all that. It is going to be a huge game, too, right? Brad, I believe they are on the one o'clock window as far as like countrywide coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah, they do. Uh, the map, I actually posted it if you want to go to at Word on Sports. It's on my Twitter timeline, but the map is uh, most of the country in red, and that's the Browns and the. Uh, all the way out to the West Coast and the Bengals. So uh, CBS, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn. That's their B team, I believe, Jake. Yep. And that's uh, one of my favorite teams of, that they run out there. Yeah, so. I believe that's the group that does uh, your, you know, your your Madden coverage, right? They're the announcers yes. covering that. So it is a is one of their better groups. And like we said, this game is going to be seen coast to coast. If your team's not locally playing in that one o'clock window, um, you're, it's going to be it's going to be viewed all over the place. So it's a big game. It is not to be just like a week one nothing burger, right? This is a really big uh, across the across the country type of game. Browns Bengals all time. They've been doing this forever. We like to update you on this. The Browns have had a lot more success recently than the Bengals. As we know, though, the Bengals got the best of the Browns in the most recent matchup. So where are we at all time with them? All time, 52-47. Bengal have the lead by five games. Uh, Cleveland has won five of six, and I think maybe eight of ten. Uh, eight of ten, I think, yeah. Maybe. I don't uh, have it in five, front of me, so I'm trusting you, Brad. Trust five me. of six for sure. <laughs> five of six is for sure. Okay. Uh, they, they lost, uh, of course, their last meeting, which was on the 11th of December last year, 23-10. to 10. We all remember that, uh, certainly. And, uh, yeah, um, the weather for this one, while we're on, on topic here of uh, the kickoff and the all-time and all that stuff, I'll knock that out now. 70 to 2 degrees, mostly sunny, 5% chance of rain. Got to get that 5% in there because, you know, we got burned on the rain once in the preseason here. We so never uh, live that down. Never live it down. 12-mile-per-hour winds coming in uh, from the north. Okay. All right. So it's going to be a little windy, which we'll see how Dustin Hopkins and Evan McPherson handle that kicking weather. That'll be uh, the little spicy, but not 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 traditionally spicy. But this is going to be a cooler game, right? This is like most of these openers are really hot, man. Like hot. they're really hot. Now yeah. there's some of the uh, ones coming up could get spicy, but this one for a home opener, I feel like it's going to be a comfortable day for fans down in the Muni lot who already had people lining up like last night. Friday night to get a spot to have the wherever that it's nuts. It's a madhouse insanity. It will be insanity down there. So it, but again, it shouldn't be that blistering hot season opener that we have uh, traditionally seen. So uh, like I said, we first of all, encourage everybody to be careful because it can be a little raucous down there, uh, but yeah. it should be an enjoyable game. And I think the, the Brown stadium is doing some, some facial recognition scanning for people to get into the game a little quicker. So there should be some, advantages to uh, you, you know, folks are usually a little bit late to kickoff. We don't encourage that because you want to be as loud as you can at the kickoff point. It shouldn't yeah. be some overwhelmingly long lines to get in there. So that should be good. Now we're going to talk betting as we do. We'll always hit the um, over under. We'll always hit the spread. And then Brad as a listen, this I, I follow along with Brad. He's the experienced gambler of oh, the OBR. This guy winning money left and right. We are going to get his three favorite either lines or um, uh, player props in this game that he would like to do and uh, tip us off on. So, Brad, the uh, platform is yours, man. Give it to us. 
All right, let's start with the uh, over-under. This this number has moved towards the Browns. Uh, so it's I've got it off of uh, DraftKings at minus two right now. Uh, over-under 47.5. That has stayed about the same. 69% of the tickets coming in on the Bengals. So uh, that's interesting. And, and the number's still moving towards the Browns, despite that. So okay. that's, that's a little odd. Um, yeah. So thoughts on that? I mean, uh, yeah, home, I, it's the opposite of a home game. So you got a home dog. You like it. I think that that's not to be unexpected. I would, I would say that when I originally heard that line, that it made a lot of sense to me, the Bengals just have a bunch more trusted success in recent yes. years than the Browns. And I think that that's what they're leaning into. I think if Deshaun Watson plays really well in this game and starts to look like the one that we, we all recall, you're talking about some lines shifting in the future. I still think they're saying week one, we trust Cincinnati more. And even though they're on the road and, and haven't fared very well in Cleveland, as we know, they haven't, there hasn't been a Cleveland win for them uh, in Cleveland for a significant amount of time. We just trust them more. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's good for the Browns to be dogs at home because that's just a it's again. Nobody believes in this. And recently, the Jamar Chase comments. I don't know if you saw those either, Brad, but like, of course, his yeah. uh, Cleveland's, you know, Cleveland's Cleveland and they're not worried. It's just very flippant about the Browns. And I, I really hope that is something that they are using to motivate their situation Sunday. I love you know me, man. I've said this for years on this pod. I am all in on the nobody believes in us narrative, right? The yeah. uh, bulletin board yeah. stuff. You can act like it doesn't matter, but it really actually does just from a we want this more than you think we want this attitude. And it doesn't always matter play to play. You can laugh at it, whatever. But if a team in the locker room says something, the first thing they say is you know because of this guy's comment or taking a quote specifically hey it matters to them a little bit and it was just some extra motivation to be hyper focused and ready to go so i think it's uh i i, I loved those comments from jamar chase and yeah i love that they're a home dog and i love that that lately the national perspective around the the, the predictions have said pittsburgh is going to be better than Cle i love that stuff that's the stuff that that should motivate them uh throughout the season so pretty pumped for that angle I don't think that the rest of the nation realizes like what an enormous deal this season is to the Browns. I mean, some people get it a little bit, but I don't think they realize the expectations in Cleveland around this team because they're not nationwide, but like yep. hyper-focused in this town, the expectations are massive, right? But every place else, you're picked last place, they're picked to be 6-11 and 11 or whatever. You know, it, it's interesting, uh, that dynamic this year. It's very interesting. It's going to be, a, I think it should be a huge part of their overall motivation going into, especially to start the year strong. So, you know, I don't know what this is going to look like as far as I think most people are predicting like a 24 something, 24, 23, something like that. I think what's the over under on this one? 47 and a half. That's a great, that's a great number because that's saying yeah. somebody's going to win what, like 28, 24. Yeah. Um, something, something like that. So if you get a 24, 23 is like kind of the number and then, Somebody's adding a point here or there. Yeah, I love I love that line. I think that's what it is. Three touchdowns for each team, and then who can maybe kick an additional field goal or score that fourth touchdown. So to me, that yeah, number feels right. I, I think I'm probably leaning toward a slight over on that. I think it's going to be like a 28-24 final. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'm not touching the over under. I'm staying away from that. That probably uh, a good looks call. right on it for yeah. me. Uh, so they're pretty they're pretty sharp even for week one on these over unders, huh? They always so. are, man. They got somebody in the back room that they just yeah. tie him up and say, "Hey, man, just do the math yeah. nonstop." Spit it out. It's uh, it's usually pretty close. Okay, so what are your three uh, prop bets you like on this one? All right, so you want you want to make this parlay, whatever, do what you want here. But I'm going with three rushing, uh, well, not rushing, two rushing and and one. But you can make the first two legs of your uh, parlay or the first two that I like here with Nick Chubb. So I got Nick Chubb. We always go to these, Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are are easy money. I think uh, one screen does it, but. Uh, Nick Chubb over 13 and a half receiving yards. I, I got, I got to love that one. Right. Yeah. It's like we, I swear to God, we did that one every game last year. It's just like one yeah. screen that pops. And I think he's going to be a, I couldn't love that one more because I do think he's going to get some more dump offs and different things. He's going to just be uh, the, the target share for him without Kareem this year is going to be higher. So yeah, until they rectify some of the Nick Chubb receiving yard numbers and see that he's going to be a bigger part of the throwing situation and we know how much kevin loves screens regardless right i just think it's going to be a great bet to continue to take all season i agree and yeah we don't know how exactly we're not sure you're going to distribute the passing the ball to the backs but i just feel feel like that one's going over uh i got nick chubb anytime touchdown is my second one that feels like a lock for me too i would feel of all the anytime touchdowns on the browns offense i mean come on he's the guy right you know he's the guy no uh, feel pretty good about that is like, you know, those anytime touchdowns or first time touchdowns are, are fun. Did you see a long shot first touchdown score? Cause remember like Dontrell Hilliard had that one against Tennessee first game, uh, first score, you know, those, those throw, throw a dart at a first touchdown score. Like Jordan Aikens would be a fun dart throw from the Brown side. Um, I don't know what Donovan's number would be. He would be a little bit fun too. But if you're again, those if you're always looking like every game, I love to throw some first touchdown score dart throws out there. I think those guys would be. Fun. I think Elijah Moore is probably not the number you want. Um, and I and I, I don't think I want to take a dart throw to back up running back. I, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick doesn't come out of the game in the first quarter at all. Uh, but I, <laughs> but I do think that there's like oh you know Jordan Aikens on some sort of deceptive tight end screen out of twelve personnel or. You know, even Cedric Tillman would be kind of fun too, Brad. So I'm just kind of thinking of like guys that are probably flying a little under the radar that you could get really long odds on and maybe throw 10 or five bucks on it and make some serious coin on that. Yeah, I got some here. So you've got uh, Donovan 22 to one first time or uh, first touchdown, right? That's yeah, pretty that's good. That's a good one. That's uh, a really good one. I like one. that one a lot. Yeah. Um, see, if there's another, I mean, you got Marquise Goodwin 45 to one. Uh, 40 oh that's a good one too man on a on a long throw okay was there a longer odds on any others i think aikens Jordan might be aikens, really fun aikens 50 to one that's a bit yeah. that's a really good one and you know what those t- the tight end one hit the tight end first time uh first touchdown scores hit all the time for these games because that scripted stuff they get down in the red zone they run something uh for the tight ends a lot all right so hit. we're gonna sponsor jordan aikens for this one then that's the 50 to one baby just throw a five spot on it right yeah yeah, you can make some coin off that. Even in any, I couldn't imagine his anytime touchdown score number would be pretty good too. Yeah, let's see what that is. Tillman is uh, just for uh, the heck of it, thirty-five to one. Yeah, I don't uh, love that as much as Aikens and, and Goodwin. No. 
But uh, if you want to go anytime touchdown, where's uh, I lost him? There he is. Uh, anytime touchdown, he is uh, nine nine to one, almost ten to one. So uh, plus nine fifty anytime touchdown for Aikens. Okay. So not quite as spicy, but not quite as spicy, but but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a good number. One. Good number. Okay. Did you have one more? I have one more. So Watson's rushing number, I think, is a little down compared to where it should be. It's at 23 and a half. I've got the over on that all day long. So, Well, I'm telling you, I talked about it yesterday with Andrew. That is a huge point of like my weekend. I'm trying to make a huge point on Saturdays. Quarterbacks should be running. Watch how they try to play these guys in open field, man. Like everybody's afraid to hit the quarterback because of yep. the instant that you could hit them. They could slide. You get a penalty. You get flagged. You could get ejected. Like the risk reward of hitting the quarterback in a nasty way, the way it used to be 10 years ago, is completely gone. There is no punishment for how quarterbacks run anymore. So I'm I'm just saying, like as, as far as Watson goes, I'd expect him to run for 40 yards. He should because he's good enough, healthy enough, fast enough to do it and it can extend drives. We saw him do it against Washington. Uh, I just think he should run for 40 yards. I th- I love that. Like, as far as the Nick 13 and a half and that Watson number, go make some money, people, because I think that those are really, really good numbers. And just, I think quarterback running should be, should be something your, your, you know, your quarterback should be taking such advantage of, man. Like, the, yeah. again, like watching Mahomes just scramble and then never get hit, like never oh. get hit. Is, Guys is, just running up and waiting for him to slide. I, exactly. And that's what I think they're going to do for everybody. Yeah. If as long as you're sliding because they, they yeah. don't want to get in trouble, man. So yeah, I, I love that one, Brad. So those are my three. I like those all. I really like your long shot on Aikens. Uh, big time. We'll sponsor that one too. Right. So there you go. You got three uh, strong plays there. You can parlay and, and maybe throw uh a little bit of money on first-time touchdown Jordan Akins. I like that one, too. So. Okay. All right. Well, that's our betting numbers for today. We're going to take a quick break, and then as we do always to close out these game day shows, three quick points that we think are going to make or break the outcome of this game. We'll be right back. This edition of All Eyes on Cleveland is brought to you by StubHub. StubHub is the place to get your Browns tickets. StubHub, every order is 100% guaranteed on StubHub. Just go to StubHub.com. For over 20 years, they've been the leading marketplace for fans to buy and sell tickets. Today, we continue to offer you that peace of mind with our exclusive fan protect guarantee, best-in-class customer service, and product features that ensure we have your back. Combined with Viagogo, we now span 90-plus countries around the world. Our guarantee to you is 100% guaranteed on every order with our Fan Protect Guarantee. Go get your Browns tickets now for any game this season and feel 100% sure you are getting the best deal and you are not getting ripped off. StubHub is fantastic. I recommend using it at every turn. Go get your tickets now. StubHub.com. Today's episode of All Eyes on Cleveland is also brought to you by the OBR, where we are offering a kickoff weekend 70% off subscription sale 
just $30 for the whole year. Go to the OBR, get behind that exclusive VIP paywall, enjoy the forums, all of the Browns talk, all of the insider content that you can have. It's the best stop for Browns content in the city, in the country. The OBR, 70% off kickoff weekend special, $30 for the whole year. TheOBR.com. All righty, Brad, we do these every game. Uh, if you are new to the show, you you would not know this, so I want to make sure you know what to expect every Sunday. And um, between all eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown, we will um, do these in perpetuity. We did them last year. I think they, they end up coming out really good for what we expect in the game. So three keys uh, for each of us. Brad, lead us off. Go ahead. All right, so Burroughs calf, we, you know, we, we don't really know what to expect. I, I mean, I guess he's running okay. I can't imagine that they're going to want him to be – I mean, the Browns are going to be trying to get him off his spot, right? And uh, I, I think Cincinnati comes out with maybe a little bit of a game plan. I talked about this kind of all week and last week a little bit with, you know, they do all their timing stuff, but maybe some short pass stuff. Uh, that they try to get their athletes, Chase, Higgins, whoever, makes it in the short pass game in situations where they can break some tackles and get some yak and try to get some cheap yardage that way uh, to try to kind of uh, negate the Browns' pass rush early. Mm -hmm. So Browns, Browns corners, Browns linebackers on the edges got to tackle well. That's key number one for me. You have to tackle well, make them make them do harder stuff than than those short little bubble screens and underneath stuff. I, I couldn't agree more. I think they're going to try to mitigate Joe. You know, Joe's not a hundred percent here. He's he's close ish, but he's yeah. not a hundred percent. So I would say, much like you're talking about here, if you're going to if there is an expectation that the football will come out fast, then you need to you know, come up, rally, and tackle. What they do in Cleveland last year? They got the ball to Joe's hands pretty quickly all night, and they did yep. a great job of coming up and tackling at the point of attack. I am saying, on the flip side of that, I think the Bengals are going to have to, at certain points, whether it's third and pass or they're trailing, have to throw the football downfield, and the Browns' ability to pressure with just four, right? That's been something that they have not been able to do enough of over recent years is send just four guys after the quarterback and expect some sort of consistent disruption, not always saying a sack, but disrupting the quarterback, moving him off of his spot, those things that make quarterbacks struggle, either seeing the field or struggling to deliver the football. This is the best opportunity they have had to consistently get four guys home to the quarterback. Obviously, I don't need to go over the improvements that Arias will help, Okoronkwo will help. Um, I just think that the if we look at this game at halftime, Brad, and we say, okay, they have not had to bring a fifth or sixth guy to get pressure on Joe. They are just creating havoc with four dropping six and cover, sorry, seven in coverage. And you can play that four under three deep, or you can play that four deep three under or whatever. If you even want to go down to that cover two and the five two five two shell stuff, like that is where the difference will be made. If you have to bring extra people um, on any clutch down to get after Joe Burrow, it's going to create opportunities for him to deliver the football so pressuring with four not feeling you know you can blitz to create right you want to yeah. blitz to be the aggressor to create not just because you have seen them convert four third and longs and you're just throwing your hands up and trying to get lucky that's yeah. different right so i think that the pressure with four stuff is going to be paramount in this one for sure because the Bengals think their offensive line is better they do and 
The Browns think their defensive line is significantly better. So now it's just who's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's who's right. So that front four stuff getting after the quarterback is going to be uh, very interesting. Going to be a fantastic matchup to watch for sure um, in the games that go on up there. And to your point, if the Browns can have seven in coverage, I mean, that's how you beat Joe Burrow, right? We, you know, we broke it down last year. I broke it down a little bit on my show on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, if you can have seven in coverage, you're, you're doing and, and disrupting him, then you're you're in a good spot to, to give uh, them a game. So I like that one big time. Uh, my second key, Jake. Uh, Lou Anarumo versus Kevin Stefanski. We know Kevin comes out with really, really solid scripts, and the Browns have looked really good to start a game sometimes. 10, 15 plays, scripted plays. I'm talking about what happens after that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can they get in a rhythm? Can they still continue to find what they want to find and, and answer you know, the questions uh, that Lou Anarumo, who is fantastic at adjusting to what he sees, I think the Browns have a little bit of an advantage here of the unknown uh, against him, but he will adjust and he will throw that pre to post snap stuff to confuse Deshaun or attempt to right make it look zone. It be man, make it look man be zone. He's going to do that kind of stuff. Uh, can Kevin answer that after those first 15 plays? That's the chess match of these two guys uh, play caller on the Browns and, Kind of uh, what they call they call him the mad scientist over there in Cincinnati on defense. So uh, what he provides will be uh, difficult at times. So Kevin's got to have the answers, and that's my matchup. Yeah, the the Browns when they would get off of their opening script and they didn't have a quarterback who could create in dicey situations. Right, that's where I think everybody started to be concerned, and 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 their yes. ability to be off of that script, which they've been successful with, and creating successful long drives the ability to adapt is going to be is going to be important that's a great point brad and i'm saying my second point is creating chunk plays we spent and we've seen the browns invest we've seen them talk about this creating chunk plays is a huge thing for them now goodwin helps but they're hoping with watson's ability to to extend plays keep pocket alive you know, the pocket movement to keep plays alive, getting outside of it too, that they can create some chunk throws. Now, I think to win this game, it is not a sustained drive type of game. I think they have to hit, because I do think Cincinnati will hit a few too, they have to hit some downfield plays. They they are yeah. not notoriously successful uh, hitting downfield plays. So I, I do uh, prefer to see them create a couple chunk plays, whether on the ground, whether through the air. I do not matter. It does not matter to me. Um I, I would just prefer to see them make something happen uh, downfield because I do I do think that they're, you know, I don't know. You can always do 11 to 15 play drive, whatever. But I just think that uh, to loosen things up, to create lighter boxes, they need to uh, find themselves uh, creating some shot plays that just loosen that defense up a little bit. So kind of leave it at that. But I, but I, I am excited to see if the, some of these weapons they have added, Aikens, Goodwin, Tillman, some of these others, obviously Elijah Moore can help create some downfield throw opportunities and some big plays that they desperately need. As we know, the field has shrunk on them a little bit over the years. So uh, yeah. that's a huge point. And, and to, to your point, just to add on, I, I think where Cincinnati is most susceptible on defense is on that back end where they've had to replace Jesse Bates and Von Bell and go to Dax Hill and Nick Scott. And they think they're more athletic back there, but you know, Jesse Bates is a really good football player and Von Bell too, that are gone now. And, and those guys, uh, I mean, Nick Scott 
graded extreme, maybe I think one of the worst PFF grades in the NFL last year. So, you know, I think that's an area to attack and, and to take advantage of. So it's a point well made there. Uh, my last one is going to be, and I wrote about this, so it's kind of interesting and they never really, so Wouzier got hurt in Cleveland stadium last Halloween mm-hmm. towards ACL. Mm-hmm. He's back. The game he returns is back in the place where he got hurt. It's kind of an intriguing matchup. Him and Cooper spent years together in uh, Dallas. They are really good friends. And uh, uh, Lou Anaruma likes to have him travel with the uh, other team's number one a lot. We'll see what if he does that, if he travels with Cooper. But uh, they know each other really well are really good friends and have practiced together against each other a ton. Uh, I look for that to be a fun matchup there. Cooper versus the big time respect between the two of them. Good matchup. Yeah, I do too. They, the Bengals folks I talked to this week think he's back, um, which is amazing to be that back. Like I know that we'll Super see, fast. we'll yeah. see, right? Yeah. I know ACL injuries and all of that are shrinking in terms of the duration of impact, but again, tw- quick twitch stuff. How quickly does that come back for a corner? Uh, yep. How Cheeto plays the first year back? Because I know, like guys, like I mentioned it earlier this week, but like Tredavious White and some of those others have struggled a little bit in their immediate return as a corner from an ACL. So we'll just have to see. It's going to be fascinating to see because you got to be very twitchy to keep up with Amari or whoever they're sending him with. So uh, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. And then and then I'm talking cornerbacks on the other side. I'm just interested in how the Browns corners handle this. I mean, there's a little bit of a rivalry here between. These Browns corners, these Bengals wide receivers, they've gone on podcasts, they've gone in front of the media, they've said what they want to say. And, you know, I, I don't expect the Browns to just match up and cover and carry guys everywhere. Like the Bengals will move Jamar inside sometimes and a bunch of different things. It's just how do they, those one on one throws, wherever it is, whether it's matching up in zone in a, in a hook zone or in a deep third or however you get there, they'll play some man to man too. Are they winning those battles at the ball's arrival, right? T Higgins, jump ball specialist, Jamar Chase, a, sideline leaning specialist who can who can contort his body to make a bunch of different plays you know how do they handle it do they win the point of attack battles you know i think they're they are most comfortable with martin emerson on t higgins i don't think that's a secret but it's not just always going to work that way right it's not just always going to be um one-on-one like that all the time so i'm just very fascinated with the three against the three i don't think the Bengals are going to play another wide receiver all too much and i don't think the browns are going to play any of their reserve defensive backs very much. So it's just how do those three handle those three? And then, you know, from there, it's they'll get some safety help here and there. But those are the matchups, man. Can they win those cornerback wide receiver battles however they get to them? I think if we look back on it and it's like, okay, you know, Newsom had a couple pass breakups. Maybe they created an interception. Denzel didn't get cooked, you know, in any certain scenario, kept everything in front of him. Um, that's what I'll be interested in, man. And, and obviously the how comfortable Jim Schwartz is playing man-to-man. And that that's yeah. a huge part of it, too, is, you know, Denzel's finally back, but he missed some time. How comfortable yep. do they feel, you know, doing whatever they do and playing man to man? Because, you know, I like I just think teams are switching up how they try to, to try to cover these guys. We saw the Lions play a ton of two man against the, the Chiefs. And I just think that it's going to be interesting to see how that battle between those three and three, because, you know, I think the Browns have three top 30 ish corners and I think the Bengals have three top 30 wide receivers. So that is the uh, single spot. You know, I've talked a little bit about the Browns' ability to stop Joe Mixon, keep the run game at bay so they're not threatened in the run-pass conflict stuff is wildly important. It is, but I also just view this corner wide receiver preeminent. Like, these are the strengths of the teams, right? The Browns' defense is very pass-rush heavy now. We feel like they finally got that right, but they have invested 
in these corners over time and you want to see your strength up against what's clearly the Bengals strength and you'd like to see your strength come out on top. So that's where we'll leave it. Yeah, this this is a primetime matchup with the ever since they went on the, the podcast and, you know, Jamar Chase is always talking. He talked again this week. I mean, these guys have an ongoing rivalry and and even the Bengals have talked about how the Browns guys run their mouths out on the field, you know, against these guys. So this is a uh, no love loss between these three versus these three, but it'll be a fantastic uh, matchup to watch. It is going to be a fantastic matchup, and we're going to have every angle for you covered throughout the game, through forums, through conversations um, at the OBR. And then we will do a 7.30 in the evening recap show. We're going to try to take the emotion out of some of these post-game shows and have a more balanced, nuanced talk around 7.30 at night that we can all kind of come back and revisit the game and talk about what happened. So keep your eye out for that. I know Brad and I will both be there. All Eyes on Cleveland will have... It's fair share of coverage throughout the week, both looking at this game and looking ahead to the Pittsburgh game in week two. I know I will be doing the same on the OBR film breakdown. We'll have a lot of coverage for you in the write-ups coverage, uh, you know, film rooms and, um, you know, grades analysis and things like that should be fun. We're finally here, Brad. It's week one. Uh, we all made it. So enjoy if this podcast finds you getting your to-do list done, uh, whatever that is for you to get your butt plopped down on the couch or if you're at the game, maybe you're listening to this on the drive up. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. And uh, above all else, on this Sunday, we hope this, uh, this this game treats you well, treats all of us well. We can reconvene on the OBR's Twitch or YouTube, whatever you watch that show on Sunday night, and ha have a fun conversation about a Browns win. So for Brad, for me, we appreciate you stopping by the crossover show here that we do on your game day. And we'll close with this, man. One big fat go Browns as they try to chase their first home opener win. Season opening home opening win since 2004, which is wild. It would be just launch them into a really good spot. So it really uh, would. It really would. So let's hope it happens again for Brad for me. Thanks, guys, for stopping by and listening and go Browns. Man.